this morning, uh, again, we're going to talk about family values. And so I want to uh, do an introductory message, advice for godly homes. Advice for a godly home. Proverbs chapter 4, let's look at verse number 1. It says, hear my, hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good, good doctrine, do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands and live. Notice what he said, verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom and in all you're getting, get understanding. May Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Again, as I said, uh, I, I want to move through quickly. I had actually had another sermon that I was going to preach this morning, and, and then it dawned on me, we have so many people that are scheduled to be baptized, I didn't want to keep you here till 2 o'clock. Did I get an amen? Hey, I mean, I can keep you to 2 o'clock if you want to, but uh, uh, some of you are already shifting in your long-winded position. No, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I do want to give an introduction, though, into this new series coming up. Uh, now, again, we recognize that the family unit today is under tremendous attack in Western society. It's amazing to me that it's happening in Western society. Around the world, they are protecting the nuclear family, yet in our culture today, it, we're seeing it erode. In fact, if you look at what's happening in today's modern society, we are denigrating the biblical model of the family as God designed it, and we are redefining it by whatever fetish is of the moment. That, that's kind of where we are. And again, I'm not jumping on a soapbox or anything. I'm just simply saying that we, we got to understand the family is not man's idea. You know, we've hijacked it uh, and, and we've tried to redefine it to, to fit whatever, whatever fetish is of the moment. But that is not, we are not the or originators of marriage, or excuse me, marriage or the family, actually. It is God's divine initiative. And I think if we understand that, then, I, then, then perhaps we can, we can tune out the voices of pop culture that tell us that families are to be this way or families are to be this way. I'm telling you that God has a design for the family. And if we want to build healthy, strong families, then we've got to go back to the architect of the family and find out the foundation that is laid. Now, uh, again, we've got to remember the family is not man's idea. It's the initiative of God. Have you ever wondered why God established the family structure the way that he did? I mean, again, he's God, right? And, and, and as God, he could have done anything. In fact, he said, I do, and you don't even get to ask. I mean, I'm just dirt. And how dare I even uh, dare to think I can question God's methodologies, right? But, but why did he do this? Why did he create the family structure the way that he did? Uh, I mean, he, again, he could have done anything that he wanted to, but he chose the leave and the cleave model to build the family unit. Genesis said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. So God established the family unit with the leave and cleave model as we see in Genesis. And again, he could have done anything that he wanted to. And sometimes I question, why did God give us the joy of becoming parents? Now, that, that's an interesting thing because, I, listen, I love being a parent. I love being a dad. I love being a pawpaw too. <laughs> Let me have I showed you pictures lately. No, I'm just, I, I really love my girls. 
I, I love being a dad. Uh, I'm, one, of the, one of the greatest things that I've ever been called in my life, and I've been called a lot of stuff, but one of the best has been dad and now papa. I hear those words. In fact, there'll be a little girl that will probably bust through here at the end of the service. She'll go, papa! <laughs> and it just makes me melt. I, I love that. Why did God give us the joy of that? I mean, again, he could have done anything that he wanted to. He could have structured this any way he wanted to. Well, again, I think there are many reasons that God chose the leave and cleave model as he did. But Malachi gives us a very specific purpose. I think that's been lost in modern society. Here's what he said, Malachi 2.15. Has not the one God made the two of you one? Leave and cleave, husband, wife. Has not God, again, made the two of you one? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. There you go. Did you, did you see that? So he says, be on guard. Because God wants godly offspring. He said, be on guard and do not be un unfaithful to the wife of your youth. So, so you see that right away. God's design of the family is so that we as parents would raise our children to love him. That's it. His, commandment was to, uh, to, his command to Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply. Why? To fill the earth with godly offspring and image, and image bearers. You know, as a parent, one of the things when my children were small, uh, and you've heard me say this for years, one of the things that I recognized very early on is that I have an obligation. God has entrusted me to care for these children, and I have 18 years, probably not even 18 years, but in my mind, I had 18 years to model and to teach and to instruct my children to fall in love with Jesus. Because the greatest thing that we can do for our children is introduce them to Jesus Christ. And the Bible says God's purpose for the family is to produce godly offspring. And I've said it, I've said this a long time, for a long time. I think I read it somewhere years ago. But the world is sick because the church is sick. The church is sick because families are sick. Families are sick because marriages are sick. You heal the marriage, you heal the family. You heal the family, you heal the church. You heal the church, you change the world. I believe that that's God's methodology right there. I, I mentioned this on Wednesday night. I was teaching on Joshua 24, how Joshua, the aged elder and leader of that nation, stood up in front of, uh, of, of the elders, and he said, look, he said, you get to choose. You can choose to serve the gods who were across the river. You can choose the gods who were of your ancestors, of the Ur of the Chaldees. He said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, he made a very bold declaration right there that I don't care what culture does, I don't care what the popular uh, movement is of the day, we are going to follow the Lord. And here's what Chuck Swindoll said about the family, and I quote, he said, whatever else may be said about the home, the bottom line is this, it is the bottom line of life, the anvil upon which attitudes and convictions are hammered out, it is a place where life's bills come due, and the single most influential force in earthly existence. That's the family. James Dobson said it like this, we must make the salvation of our children our number one priority. Nothing else is more important. We must make as parents the salvation of our children the single most important part of parenthood. 
Today, today, think about it, the family plays a vital role in our well-being. And in fact, in a study of 80 civilizations that have existed in the last 4,000 years, they did a study, and what they found was that there was a common thread woven between all 80 uh, of these societies, all 80 of them. All 80 civilizations had the same thing, and that is this. They began with very strong moral convictions that had heavy emphasis on the family. All 80 civilizations in the last 4,000 years all began with very strong moral convictions, again, that overrode pop culture and political climate, and that existed heavily or leaned heavily on the family. And here's what happens. As over a period of time, those values began to decline. The morality began to loosen, and the family began to fracture. As the family hemorrhaged or the home hemorrhaged, all 80 nations began to implode and they eventually collapsed. That's where we are. The Bible teaches God has established three human institutions. Genesis 2, we see the family. Romans 13, we see the human government. And Acts chapter 2, we see the church. These are the organizations that God, human organizations or institutions, God has created. Warren Wiersbe says, of the three, the most important is the home. And the reason he says that is because he said, as the home goes, so goes the church and so goes the nation. And I think we would echo an amen there. The absentee fathers, that's, that's, that's more than epidemic in our societies today. Uh, the, 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 anyway, I, I don't have time to really, we'll be doing that over the next couple of weeks. It's just alarming today to see where we are. Again, now my text is from the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is an incredible book of wisdom. In fact, I tell people when they want to talk about devotions, uh, no matter what you're reading, if you're reading John, if you're reading Matthew, if you're whatever, read a psalm and read a proverb. proverb. It is chock full of biblical wisdom that works in everyday life. There was a guy years ago um, that, that tithe, he mailed a tithe check into the church every single week. And he didn't come to church. Didn't come to church. Years and years and years, every week this guy would mail in a tithe check. And one day I happened to see him, and I, he said, hey, you've been getting my tithe checks. And I said, yeah. I said, man, thank you for your faithfulness. I said, but uh, he said, I know what you're going to ask. Why do I give the tithe and I don't even come to church? I said, yeah, that was going to be my question. You know what his answer was? He said, because it works. He said, just because I'm not in church, don't, it doesn't mean that I don't believe the principle is true. I thought, wow, that's pretty incredible to me. The book of Proverbs is filled with all kinds of, of practical daily wisdom, nuggets of truth. But you know what? It's also a marriage manual and a parenting guide. I'm not going to take long this morning, but uh, I, I want to give you a brief overview of some of the key roles of the family before we go into our baptism service. So, so I want to give you, uh, next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack some of this stuff. But let's talk about some wisdom for the uh, for the husbands this morning. We're going to look at a couple areas. So wisdom for husbands. Some of you ladies are like, is there such a thing? <laughs> yes, there, there is. Uh, again, I, 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 this is one of those topics that I breach with, I try to do some humor because it's tough. Because everything out here, uh, again, you think back, even 25 years ago, manhood was under assault. The role of men in the household, every sitcom showed, if they showed a husband, it was going to be a, a, a blooming idiot or a buffoon 
that needed the wife to correct his stupid mistakes. So, so manhood and, parent and fatherhood has been denigrated over the last 25 years. You can imagine where we are today when we, don't even, we, can't, we can't define anything. It's an assault. So, so if we're going to talk about building relationships and building marriages and building families, and we've got to go back again to the architect because he has a lot to say about the role of a husband, the role of the wife, and the role of children. Amen? And if I'm going to build a godly home, I've got to start with what is my role? Not what society says. What is God's purpose for the husband? So let's look at some wisdom for husbands. Number one, guys, here it is. Rejoice in your wife. Rejoice in your wife. Listen, one of the best ways you can honor your bride is to find joy in your relationship with her. I know that's a stretch. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Proverbs 5.18 says, May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let me ask you something, guys. When was the last time? I know we've got different, we've got widows, widowers here, single. This applies to the family, so we're going to talk about it. Guys, when was the last time that you thank God for your wife? Again, don't, don't, don't answer. I'm just saying, when was the last time you said, God, thank you for my wife? the suitable helpmeet that you brought along into my life. When was the last time you did that? I mean, I'll be honest with you. Having a wife shouldn't be a drag. What, are they, what do we call our wives, guys? The old ball and chain? I'm not, we'll stop with the ball and chain. <laughs> Having a wife should not be, it's not meant to be a drag. It's, it's intended to bring great joy. In fact, the Bible in Proverbs 18.22 talks about the blessings of God that's poured out on the one who finds a good wife. In fact, here's what it reads. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. There you go, guys. Rejoice in your wife. Be thankful somebody chose to marry you. I, I, well, that came out wrong, didn't it? <laughs> You understand what I'm saying. Be glad that you found a suitable helpmeet out of all the people. I usually, if I have somebody come in for premarital counseling or maybe they're going through some stuff in their relationship and, and, and they, they'll come in and I'll sit down and the first thing I'll ask everybody, I don't care who they are, I ask them, what was it about this woman that out of all the other women on earth you chose her? And then I do the same thing. I said, out of all the dudes on earth, what was it about him that said, that's the one I want to be with the rest of my life. I said, then, then once you figure that out, then we can go from there. The second thing is, guys, value your bride. What does that mean? It means that your wife needs to know she's more important than anything else in life. That's it. She needs to know you value. And, and listen, I understand that's challenging, especially during football season and hunting season and NASCAR. And <laughs> that, that's hard. Proverbs 31.10 says, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Value her. Let her know that she, she's of significant value to you. I, I, I shared this with you before, but uh, probably 2019, uh, again, if you're a guest here today, my wife had a stroke in 2012, so she's disabled. I'm her caregiver. And so from 2000, January 2012 up to this present, in fact, between services this morning, I had to go home. Uh, she wasn't feeling up to coming to church, so I had to go get her out of bed get her dressed, get her set, uh, situated with breakfast, her meds, and then come back and preach the second service. So in 2019, I'm, I'm here 
preaching in West Virginia at a men's conference. About 300 guys there. And uh, so I'm sharing my story with what I go through, you know, what I go through. And, I, and that sounds so wrong to say it like that. But I'm, I just share my daily schedule. How I get up and I get hurt, you know, I get everything, go to work, come back, get her lunch, go back to work, come back, and get, anyway. And, and so I, I, I finally said to the guys, I said, look, what do you think if I were to walk into my wife and say, honey, I'm going to buy an acre on the moon. I said, what do you think she would say? Well, you got 300 guys there. And so they're, they're all throwing out manly comments. And I said, I'll tell you what my wife would say. My wife would say, dear, whatever you think. And I said, the reason that she would say that is for the last seven years, I have waited on that lady hand and foot every single day of her life. If she wants a milkshake, I go to town and get her a milkshake. If she wants an outfit, I order, thank God for the smile on Amazon that comes my way. <laughs> if she wants, I'm there to make sure my wife is, my, you ask my daughter, my son, Derek over there, my son, they'll she's spoiled. I take care of her. And I said, the reason that she would say whatever you think is for seven years, I demonstrated to this lady that she can trust me. And I said, my wife trusts me without question. If I walked in and said the skies turned black, she would believe it because she trusts me. And I said, some of you men out here want your wife to trust you at that level, and you've never done anything for her to trust you. Yeah, that's what they got. Ooh. <laughs> I gave an altar call. I still believe in the altars. There was a man that came up in his upper 60s, stood right here, just weeping, just bawling his eyeballs out. And it was a little more than what I kind of expected. So I went down and put my arm around him and said, hey, man, how, how, how can I, what's going on? And he said, he said, preacher, I get it. I said, what'd you get? He said, well, I recently retired. And he said, when I retired, he said, I went out and I bought, I bought a new boat. I bought a, 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 a motor home. And he said, my plan was we were going to travel and see all these wonderful sights. And he said, my wife seems so disinterested. Like she doesn't even want to be a part of it. And he said, when you said what you did, he said, all of a sudden it dawned on me. I never asked her. He said, I'm going to go home today after this conference. And I'm going to sit down with my wife and I'm going to look at her and say, sweetheart, I will sell everything that I've bought and do whatever you want to do just so that we can be together. I said, dude, you do that. And I said, your last years on earth will be the happiest you've ever had. <laughs> Amen. Value her. Value her. You know, you know the interesting thing is... Uh, this, this is what I'm talking about. Before, the, before um, she had her stroke, if somebody asked me to do something, I would go and inform her, right? Everybody know what I'm talking about? Hey, sweetheart, guys want me to go fishing. I'll see you later. Now I have to stop and think, who's going to take care of her? Who's going to get her medicine? Who's going to get her out of bed? Because she can't do any of that. Who's going to get her out of bed? Who's going to take care of her? She becomes my priority. Why She's now valued. We've always had a good relationship, but now she knows she's number one above all else. Guys, value your wife. Number three, pursue purity and faithfulness. That stands without reason. Be very careful of flirtatious people today. There's a, there's a concept in law called alienation of affection. What that means is if you've got a if, 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 if you're constantly, and, and I'll talk about wives here in a minute, but if you're constantly 
being berated and nagging or whatever, be careful about somebody showing you extra attention. It's easy for that heart to start wondering. What I'm saying, guys, is you need to pursue purity and faithfulness. You need to set up boundaries. And then you need to enforce those. The Bible says the evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of a sin hold him fast. Be careful. Proverbs tells a lot about that wicked sin of adultery. Today we laugh about it. We have Epstein's list. We have, you know, we have used to be websites you could go to, how to hook up when you go on a business trip, a discreet gathering. Listen, I'm telling you, be pure and holy before your wife. Again, we could talk about a lot of things. Your wife needs to feel secure in her marriage relationship. When you start rejoicing in her, when you value her more than anything else, and when you remain faithful by practicing purity, let her know that there's no one else that could even come close to catching your attention. You give her the gift of security. And then she becomes everything you've asked for. So the last few minutes, ladies, wisdom for wives. Guys, you thought I was going to pick on you all day. Let's talk about the ladies. Well, first thing I would say, ladies, first thing is focus on faithfulness as well. I mean, it's not just a one-way thing. There are a lot of ladies that have wondering eyes that wonder, well, what if I was with this guy or what if I was with that guy? Quit your wondering. The husband of your dreams is not somebody else's husband. It's the one you have. You see, the Bible assigns these roles, and I'm to be the best husband and father that I can be as unto the Lord what that means is you may be the best, have to be the best wife possible according to God's assignment as unto the Lord because you might be married to a jerk. But you serve him the way God prescribes anyway as unto the Lord. Your service is unto the Lord. I can't tell you how many couples I've known in 30 plus years of ministry where one was a believer and one was not, and yet because of the way one chose to live, the other one followed suit into their relationship with the Lord. I'm telling you, there's, that grace living is incredibly powerful to other people. So focus on faithfulness. Proverbs 2, 17, 18 says, Who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant of youth? Her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirit of the dead. He's saying what's happening is if your heart starts wandering, you open a door for death to come into your marriage and into your home. Number two, cultivate your character. Ladies, here's what the Bible says a wife should be. Proverbs 12, 4 says, A wife of noble character is her husband's crown. But a disgraceful wife is like decay to his bones. Again, this, the, if, in our culture today, this seems very chauvinistic. I've heard people say, well, I don't follow Christ because he's against women. He's done more to liberate women than any other person in history but I don't have time for that. Ladies, you're to be a crown to your husband. One of the best things you can do for your marriage is to cultivate your character by giving over to your spiritual development. You don't want to drive your husband away with constant quarreling or nagging. In fact, Proverbs 21.9, uh, I love the way the Living Bible puts it, says it is better to live in the corner of an attic than with a crabby woman in a lovely home. A crabby woman, I'm not going there, despite, lead me not into temptation. <laughs> but, but he said it's better to live in a corner than with a nagging wife. You ever seen a rock that's been eroded be, with, with water? Isn't it amazing? I mean, something as solid and as strong and stout as a boulder 
can be reduced to a pebble, not with TNT and not with dynamite, not with brunt force, but with the constant dripping of water. What the Proverbs is saying is that a wife, if we're not careful, that constant nagging, listen, if you want the trash to be taken out when you want it to be taken out, take it out yourself. There are other things, there are other heels to die on other than a trash receptacle. I, I'm just saying, we live in a world today that takes a, a, a molehill and makes a mountain out of it. Emptying the trash shouldn't be World War III. The Bible says, ladies, work on your character. As you focus on your relationship with God, you become the woman God wants you to be, and in the process, you become a crown of joy to your husband. And number three, I told you I'm hurrying up. Bring good to your husband. That's it. Bring good to your husband. Proverbs 31. If you want to be a Proverbs 31 woman, again, we don't have time to study that chapter right now in depth. But verse number 12, if you want one verse out of Proverbs 31 to model your life after, do it after Proverbs 31, 12. Here's what it says. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of his life. That's it. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of his life. Let me ask you, do you think the best of your man by encouraging him and building him up? Are you more like that woman in Proverbs 27, 15 that keeps dripping? Years ago, my wife and I, and I'm closing, guys, come on back. Some of you didn't think I had it in me, did you? <laughs> my, my wife, I married my wife 30 some odd years ago. <laughs> um, I met her when I was stationed at Fort Polk, Louisiana, Air Force guy stationed in an Army base. I met her. She had only been out of the state of Louisiana, I think, one time. I marry her, and on our first anniversary, the, first, the day of our anniversary, we're on an airplane flying to Germany where we're going to live now for the next three years. And some of you might remember back in the late 90s, maybe mid to late 90s, I wrote her a letter on our anniversary, and I just, it was kind of more like a poem, and it just said you were there. And I talked about how this, this South Alabama boy meets this Louisiana woman. We get married. I said, you were there. You were there as we moved to Germany and the culture shock that, that ensued with all the strangeness of living in a different land, I said, you were there. When we moved to Dallas, my wife worked for FDIC. She was a lit tech with uh, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. When all the SNLs were going out, I worked downtown Dallas. I was unemployed. I couldn't find, a, I couldn't find work at that time. And, and I, every morning, I'd, wa I'd watch my wife roll out of bed. It did something to my manhood. She'd go to work. She didn't mind. She was there. She was there when my mother passed. She was there when my father passed. She was there through the ups and downs of life. What I'm saying is, She's brought me good. When we were looking for our church after I got out of the military, we, we, we didn't put any restrictions. We went everywhere. We went to Florida and Georgia, excuse me, Arkansas, Mississippi, all over the place looking for where God had us to be. And, and I got to the point where I was so tired of hearing the phone ring. It was another rejection. The phone would ring and it would be the same old thing. We're sorry, but we went with a different person. The devastation of rejection, if you know anything about that, you know how debilitating it could be. But she was there. She believed in me. Ladies, your husband wants to be your champion. Browbeating him into submission is not something that you should be bragging about with the ladies. In fact, I want to say it's a disgrace to the calling of God upon your life. 
has no place in a healthy, godly home. My wife was my champion. I tell everybody the reason I am where I am today is because my father, and, and there's a great truth to that, but I am where I am today a large part because I had a wife who was there. She was my champion. She said, you can do this. I believe in you. Amen. See, that takes you a whole lot further down the road than somebody says, I knew you would never. My parents told me not to marry you. That happens more common than it should. As I close this morning, if your family is in trouble, there is hope and there is help. I want to say that again. If your family is in trouble, there is hope and there is help. The family is God's initiative, so to heal the family, we go back to the architect and we build again according to his design. Isaac went back and he redug the old wells. And what I'm saying is moving forward with fam and with what we're doing in this sermon series, we are redigging the wells of a biblical family because that's the only thing that's going to survive in this culture. Would you stand with me? If you're here to be baptized, guys, if you'll go over here to my right, your left. Ladies, if you'll go over here to my left, your right. We'll give you a moment to head that direction. And then I want to close while they're getting ready with this. Again, guys, to my right, your left. Ladies, to my left, your right. I'm going to ask, I'm going to do this a little different this morning. I'm going to ask the prayer team. If I can get some of our <laughs> prayer team ladies, guys down here with me, if you'll just come. I know we haven't done this in a while. We do have time for people to respond. Here's what I want to ask this morning. While they're making ready and we're going to celebrate, the whole purpose today is about watching them be baptized. But let me ask you, is your family in trouble this morning? Are you hurting in your family this morning? Are you struggling? They say the first step in getting help is to admit that there's an issue. There's no embarrassment to say, you know what, we're, my, my home has become more like a battleground than a, a safe haven. See, our children don't know how to be married other than what they see in the, in the home. So when your son gets married, he brings into his marriage what he's seen modeled in his home. The wife does the same thing, and sometimes that's not very good. Not very good. So there's no harm to say, you know what, Pastor, I'm struggling right now. I want to kill my husband. I want to kill my wife. I want to kill my kids. I'm being metaphorical, of course. You're struggling, you're hurting, you say, is there an answer? There is an answer. We go back to the architect who designed and gave us a model of what the family's all about. So while they sing this morning, if you're here, and, and, and maybe it's an extended family, maybe you're a grandparent here, and you see your son and daughter maybe struggling with their grandchildren, you know what? Stand in for them. But while they sing, would you come down and would you let us pray with you today? Whatever's going on, we want to let you know that you don't have to walk this by yourself. That's what we're here for. The body ministry to each other. Go ahead. We're creation suddenly articulate. You need prayer. Come on. We'll stand with, with you. We'll pray with you. 
tongues to lift one cry from north to south and east to west we hear Christ be magnified were the whole earth echoing his evidence his name would burst from sea and sky from rivers to the mountain tops we hear Christ be magnified singing love Christ be magnified just let this praise arise Christ be magnified in me singing love Christ be magnified from the altar of my life Christ be magnified what God is doing in the altars, but for the rest, if you want to be seated for just the next few moments, turn it to Pastor Devin. Good morning. Well, it is Baptism Sunday, one of my favorite Sundays of the year.
we have about, last time I checked, about 30 people being baptized today. So let's praise God for that. What an incredible opportunity. So we're going to get started since we have a long list here. So we're going to send the first one down. Kennedy Jackson. Also happens to be my niece. So this is an honor today. All right, Kennedy, have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Then because of your public declaration, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hadley Martinez. Hadley, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Then because of your public declaration, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Viviana Brown. Viviana, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Then because of your public declaration, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Olivia Aguilar. Olivia, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Then because of your public declaration of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lydia Rodriguez. Lydia, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Then because of your public declaration of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lydia. All right. Lily Rodriguez. Lily, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And because of your public declaration of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, Tabitha Beasley. Tabitha, have you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Then because of your public declaration of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Erica Aguilar. Erica, have you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And because of your public declaration of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Zane Herrick. Zane, have you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Then because of your public declaration of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Landon Hall. Landon, have you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Then because of your public declaration of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Caden Applegate. Caden, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Then because of your public declaration of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Parker Jackson, my nephew. Parker, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My other nephew, Camden Jackson. Camden, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. DJ, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Then because of your public declaration of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jonathan Cristobal. Jonathan, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Then because of your public declaration of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ernest Aguilar. Ernest, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Then because of your public declaration of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, well that concludes our baptism service. Thank you all so much. Praise this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.
Good job, moms and dads. What a group, great group of kids in there. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to them who believe. We've got a job, folks. But we've got an anchor that holds. Father, today we are so grateful. Lord, as we celebrate these that have publicly declared to follow you, Lord, I just pray that every day would unfold a new facet of your love and a revelation of who you are. Father, I pray that we would just get excited knowing that our, our task remains to go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all peoples. Lord, I pray that we see that reflected every Sunday. Lord, as we look out, red and yellow, black and white, being precious in your sight, Lord, may we do the work of an evangelist and may we soldier the work of a soldier, Lord, and, and, and just work while we can. I ask your blessings upon our families. Lord, as we endeavor upon this new series, Lord, I pray that you would give us revelation, open our eyes and understanding that we might see that you had the idea and it's still a good idea. I bless each one here today. Take us and give us a great day, a great week as we rejoice in your faithfulness. We declare it in the mighty name of Jesus and we all said, amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and I love you very much. I stand strong and worship you. If it puts me through the fire, I rejoice because you're there too. And I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just a doorway into resurrection life. If I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory, all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing, and my song will be the same. Oh, Christ be magnified, just Christ be magnified in